Welcome to the Don't Shrink Back podcast. I'm Heidi Harris, your host. The term don't shrink back comes from Hebrews 10.39. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. This podcast celebrates courage, spiritual courage, moral courage, cultural courage. We're trying to remind everybody that there are people still standing up for their beliefs, whether it's against government tyranny, whether it's for your beliefs in schools, or maybe it's helping prisoners try to change their lives, people who are making an actual difference and standing strong. Thank you for finding it. I hope you enjoy it. Tell somebody about it. Check us out at DontShrinkBack.com or Don't Shrink Back on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Do Christians have a duty? to be civilly disobedient. The author of a brand new book on the subject joins me today. His name is Peter Demas. He's an attorney, a speaker, a restaurant owner, obviously an author, and his new book is called On the Duty of Christian Civil Disobedience. And these are things we really need to ponder. How much should we get involved politically? How much should we stand against the authorities? Is that anti-biblical? Peter Demas, welcome. Great to talk to you again, this time on the Don't Shrink Back platform. I'm glad to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. There are times for Christians to be civilly disobedient, obviously. But one of the things that I really want to focus on is you mentioned in your book about idols. And it's interesting how people will make idols out of all kinds of things. I know my pastor has been talking about that a lot. And when, when people think about idols, they think about the one in Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Throw me the idol. Throw me the idol. That's not what we're talking about, right? And one of the things you mentioned that I've seen this is how people put politics near the top of their idol list. And I've certainly seen that where people decide whether or not you're a Christian based on, uh, you know, which particular politician you voted for and things like that. Talk about that. Yeah, I think, you know, any anytime you put anything above God and, and you put your trust in something that's above God, I think you 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 easily run the risk of idolatry if you don't just commit the sin of idolatry by, by doing so. And whenever, and, and in the U.S., that where it, where politics is obviously extremely important, but when you start putting your faith into a political party, into a political system, as opposed to putting your faith into God, I think then you you really run that risk into it. And and it doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or or even even you know an independent. When you put it into a person, um, I think you can you 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 run into that problem. And and now again. I'm going to vote at the next election. I think every Christian needs to vote in their next election. But um, I, I think I think we have we have a we we ought to have those rights and we ought to use those rights. But we have to be very careful that we don't think that that they're going to answer everything because I've seen too many times you know where Republicans aren't following Christian values. Um, you know, a good example is the the Republican and the governor of of your state. You know where. They have, you know, uh, signed a bill where you're supporting the mutilation of children. Right. Uh, You know, uh, South Dakota, there was Republicans that stopped a a moment of silence that they could lead into a prayer moment. So I think a lot of times when we focus saying, oh, Republicans are going to fix our problems, that becomes an idol then instead of saying God will fix our problems. Well, that's absolutely true. And I remember speaking to a group of people before President Trump won the first time. And a woman stood up and she said, Trump's going to save us. And I said, no, he's not. 
If he had the power to save us, he'd have the power to destroy us. And he doesn't have the power. Now, once again, we're talking about staying engaged civilly, no matter what it is, right. trying to hold these people accountable. But what's interesting to me is if you, you know, read the Bible, pick a page, you know, like start with first and second Kings, you know, he was more, he was worse than his father. He was worse than his father. <laughs> so we've always had corrupt politicians. I don't know why anybody's shocked by this kind of thing. I was just reading the book of Timothy last night and, and I'd read it before, but it's been a while going back through. And it was talking about praying for the people who are running things so we can live quiet, peaceful lives. And it was interesting because Jesus and, of course, Timothy's written by Paul, but Jesus never said, you know, I'd love to get this thing going. If we could just get rid of Herod, we'd be all set. Because, as you know, for, for people who don't know, there was a different Herod when he was born versus the Herod when he was when he was put to death. But you know, Jesus never said that. He never let things slow him down. Moses went about his business. Pharaoh or no Pharaoh, he went about his business. That's what we're supposed to do. Stay engaged, but ultimately give it to God and understand that he's in charge, not these politicians. I mean, honestly, Peter, if I thought politicians were in charge of my life and they had my very future in their hands, I'm going to get out of bed in the morning. Well, especially with some, especially with some of the politicians that we have, and and I'm kind of surprised they can get out of the bed um, uh, themselves. So, um, but you know, I agree with you completely. You know, when Jesus came back after he was resurrected, you know, he didn't, he still didn't like, he didn't show up to Pilate. You know, I mean, can you imagine if he right. showed up to Pilate and be like, "Hey, by the way, you remember me?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, I mean, you know, he never went to Caesar. Right. You know, he never just showed Great up to point. Caesar and say, hey, this is this is where we are. And by the way, you can spread the gospel. You can force it upon everybody. Right. You know, um, that way he didn't. You know, he showed up to 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 his believers and his followers and not just the 12. He showed up to, to many more. And um you know, later showed up to Paul and, you know, and I think there is a, um, you know, I, I think when we, when we think about it from our perspective, particularly when we're not involved in politics, we think that politicians have all the answers, um, you know, and it, it's interesting because we focus so much, particularly on the federal level, that sometimes we ignore what's going on in the state and local levels. And they generally have more of an impact in our day-to-day -day lives than, than the federal government does. But there's just so many laws and there's absolutely no way, zero possibility that any politician can read all the laws that are being passed. It just it's it's physically impossible. Right. So as a result of that, to think that they're in charge and that they have the ability to 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 fix our problems without somebody out of all the politicians we have trying to do something sneaky underneath it. I think I, I think it's really naive on our parts. Now, again. Yeah. There's some great people that are that are in office. I mean, they make mistakes, but there's some amazing people and they do an incredible job. I'm not I'm counting. I'm not, counting. I, I've got five. I can think of. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know what you mean. There are some people who legitimately and I know some who who are in office who legitimately try to do the right thing for their constituents. This tends to be, as you mentioned, at the local level, more, you know, city council, things like that, depending on where people live than it is on the national level, because we forget that politicians are, are human beings and politics yeah. and, and various federal, federal agencies are nothing but people who are sinners, who want what's best for them, who are willing to compromise, who don't have the, uh, you know, the uh, courage to stand up again. I mean, if the last three years, and I'm not trying to ask you to get political about COVID, but if the last three years haven't taught us anything, it's that some people are so willing to follow government and not ask any questions 
and other people who were already suspicious of government and now we'll never go near another needle again, you know, right. no matter what. And and so it's it's been fascinating to watch the last couple of years. Yeah, it really it really has. And you know, and 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 it, and 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 the whole the whole situation, you know, what what I was amazed with was how you weren't allowed to ask questions. Right. You know, comedians weren't allowed to to make jokes about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that to me, and and so, but but it kind of helped me. You know, look at and and I was I, there was a whole lot that I that I discovered after I wrote my book that I wish I can go back and be like, oh, I wish I could add this to it. You know, right. um, but but one of the, the 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 one of the things that we see is that when you are in power, and this is not only political power too, this is like corporate power as well. Sure. When you have power, you're, you're you're either governed by principles or you're governed by, you know, the, the ability to have power and control. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the principles, in, in my opinion, the principles which are rooted in the word of God, then you're going to fall eventually to power and control. And I think we have seen that time and time again, right. um, especially in the last few years where, you know, it's the, you can't do this, you can't do this. Oh, by the way, I can go and do it, but you right. can't, you know, or, um, you know, we're going to set these rules. I mean, I used to laugh, you go into a department store or, or like Walmarts or grocery stores. And they had the arrows telling you which way you can travel. And I'm like, so COVID only goes to East, West and not North, South. Is that like how that works? Like I, there was just so many things and like, it, it was almost comical, but you watch people that just fell for it completely. Yeah. And just like, you know, you, you walked down the wrong aisle and I'm like, I, I still needed this. <laughs> Like I didn't even realize there were arrows until someone told me I did it wrong. Yeah, you're right. That that was frightening. Or or to get on a plane and have to wear a mask. I had a a stewardess one time, a flight attendant, get mad at me because my mask was starting to slip as I was getting on the plane and wrestling with my luggage. And she kind of gave me attitude. And I thought, okay, so in in like 20 minutes, I'm allowed to take it down to eat and drink. You know, I mean, if your doctor walked, if your surgeon walked out of the bathroom. To, and then decided to, to operate on you with his mask on, his or her mask on. I mean, I mean, yeah, we could go on and on about that. But I, I was stunned at how people bought into things and didn't ask questions. And, and part of it's because fear is hugely powerful. We know that. And it yes. makes you wonder, right, about God. I'm not now I'm not saying that people should or shouldn't take whatever that's up to them. But the idea that people were so afraid, they weren't trusting God, they, but they were trusting government. That, that's my point. Is it, you, you know, you have to look at all the situation. You should be careful and cautious and take care of yourself and, and get exercise and do the things that will make you less likely to die from anything or 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 you cannot. But to completely trust everything government said every time it changed without trusting in God, ultimately saying, oh, I'm going to do what I can do. And then ultimately, at the end of the day, I have to give it to God. I can't give it to these people. That to me was one of the most stunning aspects of the last few years. Well, I was shocked too at, at at people in the medical field that was like when when I would ask them questions about it because I was genuinely trying to learn, right. and because I I didn't know what was right and what was wrong, I didn't know, and that was before the vaccine even came out. So right. so when the vaccine came out, obviously that triggered more questions and more you know um, uh, you know more study on my part on this. And again, I'm not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination. So so. But but I was wanting to try to figure out what was best for me and my family, and so when I when I uh, when I was talking to them, you know, and they were like, "Oh, well, this is what the research says." And okay, well, well, what research did you do? And I found it. Well, they just passed down what the FDA or the CDC said, and I was like, "But this is the same FDA that 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 says that 
you know, that, that Oxycontin was, 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 was okay. You know, that it was not addictive. This is the same FDA that approved Prozac, you know, for, for so many other uses that, that wasn't what it was originally designed for, you know, and, and, and the CDC who, who says that, you know, one out of every four Americans have a, have a, have a incurable sexual transmitted disease but at the same time, have a whole section on there talking about the, the the ways to have the ways to have unprotected sex. And I'm like, so you're trusting these sources? Mm-hmm. Where did you read their sources? Did you look into the, their studies? And they're like, no, no, we don't have time for that. And I can understand and appreciate it, but but at the same time, I'm looking at a source that if it's garbage in, it's garbage out. And I was shocked that doctors who are research people by nature did not research the way that many other people did. And, and some of them were too scared to do it. You know, like I'm too scared to prescribe ivermectin and, you know, I mean, there was a lot of that type of stuff as well. Well, it was a lot of CYA. It was a lot of uh, worry about losing your job and all that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. it, it was just so interesting. And the few who did stand up, uh, I before we started this day, I told you that YouTube shut my video down just for stating the five reasons I wouldn't get the shot. I I would never, as a talk show host, ever tell somebody what to do medically. Ever, I wouldn't tell you to get a uh, you know vac- a COVID vaccine. I wouldn't tell you to get Botox. I wouldn't tell you to get anything. I'm not qualified for that. And even if and even if you're a doctor, you're not everybody who's listening's doctor, right? So right. I don't even understand that. But but the and now we're finding out now based on, as you know, the most recent lawsuit, Missouri versus Biden, where they have outlined all of the ways that Facebook and Twitter and all these people were engaging with the White House all the time. I mean, weekly conversations about how they could shut people like me down, doctors who dare to ask a question, normal people who dare to ask a question. And it's just it's, so the idea that people believe in government or believe in what, you know, what they say on Facebook or whatever. I mean, it's it's pretty stunning. But that's why we have to as Christians, if you want to call it civil disobedience, we're asking just the questions. By the way, I want to remind everybody, the book is called On the Duty of Christian Civil Disobedience, written by Peter Demas, who joins me today. Uh, you know, it, it was just it was stunning over the last couple of years. And let's talk a little bit about that uh, Supreme Court decision most recently. And this one involved the woman who did website. She was in Colorado, the 303 creative case, it's called 303 being the area code of Colorado. But uh, she had website, as you know, web design business and had not gotten into the wedding business yet. She was going to and she was concerned that Colorado was going to go after her if she didn't design websites for gay people. Now, she, like Jack Phillips, the cake maker, would happily serve, you know, people who are gay. She didn't care gay or straight. But what she wasn't going to do was promote somebody's gay wedding because that was against her uh, personal beliefs. And it's stunning to me that that people believe another human being can be forced to apply their gifts and talents, whatever their expertise is, be forced to do anything, What you know, agree or disagree, or, you know, you can't force a vegan restaurant to come to and, and put up a pig barbecue, right? With the thing, the pig on the, right? I mean, that's right. never come up. But anyway, talk a little bit about that, Peter, because that was fascinating to see. Yeah, I was I was very pleased with the the Supreme Court decision on it, and I was pleased it wasn't uh, it wasn't a five four decision too. You know, mm-hmm. but you know, in in that situation as well as in the Jack Phillips situation, you know, th- this is a you know, the, the, what what many people don't realize about business owners, particularly among small businesses, because sometimes when we think of business, you know, we only think of like 
Apple and Nike and Amazon, where you really, you know, it's just a conglomeration of so many different people and there's not one person really can impact culture. But if you're a, a, a small business in particular, um, you, you have to do what you feel is best and what you're filled to be called to do. And if you're a Christian, it's not like you can separate yourself. I, I have the Holy Spirit living within me. I can't, when I show up to work, say, okay, Holy Spirit, you, you now have to go wait in the car because I'm going into work. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, if the Holy Spirit is telling me, don't do this, or if, if someone is telling me I need to do something that I think is evil or that I think is against God's law, I, I have, a, I, I have a, a, the 100% complete duty to say no. And, and I have to engage in that. And when she said, look, I think they're going to do this and I need to test the law, which is very normal. It was used many times in the civil rights era. Um, and, um, you know, to, to be able to, to test the law to see if it would work. I think that's where she um, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm so thankful that they said, no, you, you, you can't violate your, your religious freedom. You know, Kai um, Feldblum, who was the EOC commissioner under Obama, said she cannot see any situation where religious liberty ought to win over sexual liberty. Mm-hmm. And, and and I kind of chuckled when, when, when that Supreme Court decision came down. I was actually preaching at a church in Detroit. Uh, last Sunday, and 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 I had written that speech in there, and when the Supreme Court had, had come out, I'd already given them the verse in that quote, and I had to chuckle, be like, well, I guess she didn't anticipate that coming out, uh, <laughs> you know. Right. But but we're we're protected under the First Amendment for for our religious for for for, for our freedom of religion, right? And when they try to force you to go against that, again, we have no choice; we have to say no. And that's, and that's the part that, you know, and I'm just thankful the Supreme Court did it. But even if they didn't, even if they cited against her, in my opinion, she still had to say no. That She doesn't have a choice in the matter. Right. That's absolutely true. You've, everybody should have a right of conscience, right? No, no matter what it is. I mean, right. you know, it's not necessarily even Christians, but anybody should have a right of conscience and to decide. That was a huge, huge deal. So talk a little bit about, and obviously the book's called On the Duty of Civil Disobedience. I'll put all the information up. I could put a fancy graphic up, but this is better, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it, and it's great because it is important that Christians at times have to stand up and do uh, what's important and, and stand up for their faith and that kind of thing. And unfortunately, I think that we seem to be ceding more ground every day because so many people are not willing to do that. And history does not remember anybody who went with the flow. Well, I, 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 I'm going to give you an example of somebody that we know in history that didn't go with the flow that, in my opinion, actually did more than what many Christians do when we see people get attacked. And that's Pontius Pilate. Mm-hmm. Pontius mm-hmm. Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent when they first brought him. And you could see that from the response that they give. And John, they, they, they tell him, hey, you know, we wouldn't bring him here if he wasn't a criminal. Then Pilate cross-examines him, says, I find no guilt. He beats him. He brings him out and says, I still find no guilt. When they insist to crucify him, he says, I find no guilt. And there's a verse in there, and I think it's in John 19. I think it's 19. I may be wrong in, in that, where it says, from then on, Pilate tried to, to convince them that he was basically to let them let Jesus go. So multiple times we see Pilate say, this is wrong. I'm not going to do it before finally Pilate said, okay, I'm washing my hands of it. It's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. His blood's on your hands. But what's amazing to me is that Pilate did more to protect Jesus and to protect a child of God than we do now in protecting a child of God. 
And, and I mean, and, and when I, when I started reading that and putting that in perspective and seeing the, 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 seeing the comparison between Pilate and, and honestly, in some cases of what I've done, I, you know, that, that, that ought to bring, you know, a, a level of, of remorse, which should turn into repentance. And we need to say, Hey, we got to stand up and do more than, than that, because we see every time that, that God is removed from a major institution, when God was removed from schools, a few years later, the sexual revolution started. Right. We see that, that the churches was being removed from the culture when they shut the churches down. And look, we've seen increased violence. We've seen the, the increase, um, you know, the, 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 I mean, they're attacking, they're attacking a man who rescued uh, children from sex slavery and saying that a movie is QAnon, you know, conspiracy. I mean, when you see that happening, you're like, okay, why? What just happened? And, and we took the lukewarm Christians out of church. Right. I mean, at least lukewarm Christians could understand what was right and wrong and could at least kind of fake it, whether they had a relationship or not. But now they're not going anymore. Right. It's crazy. That's true. Yeah, it's unbelievable to attack Jim Caviezel's movie. I, I've not seen it yet. I'm going to try to see it this week. But, uh, you know, I have nothing but respect for him. He spoke at a dinner that I attended last year. It was a, like a pro-life dinner, pro-life center. Unbelievable, this guy. He's unbelievable. And the idea that people, and this is kind of reminds you of what, what happened with, with, with COVID, the people just deny, like there, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people who are vaccine injured, not trying to veer off into that, but there are people who absolutely deny the reality that these people have been hurt severely by the vaccine. Not everybody. I understand that. I'm not saying that never have said that, but the people who have been, who've told their friends and family, this is what did it to me. There people just deny it. So a movie Jim Caviezel makes about sexual abuse of children, no one even wants to talk about it. You know, when 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 I'm not trying to drag you into politics, I just want to make one comparison. Oh, on. <laughs> when when Trump was president, all we heard about was kids in cages. Now right. we have kids missing, 85,000 that they admit to having lost. It's probably hundreds of thousands, right? Where are these kids? Nobody knows. Being trafficked, being sold every single day. We don't know where they are. Nobody cares. I mean, so talk about evil, right? They, their their selective outrage is flat out insulting. Got to tell you, it is. You know, I, but I, I I will I will say that you know I was very frustrated. This was, you know, I became a Christian late in life, and and I remember talking to my pastor, and there was there was two things that I that I that I've said to him many times that he's had to correct me on, which is one when I say you know well you know can't they see, and every time he says anytime you say can't you see or can't they see, he says the answer is no, they can't. You know, right. because if it's that obvious, they, they just can't. Otherwise, they, they would see it because it's they're that blinded. obvious. They're blinded to, to, to the truth. Right. And then and then the other piece of it is this, is that for me, I may disagree with something from you politically. Like there are there are people um, I, I'll take something that, that that's not Christian related um, that, that you know, let, let's take a state taxes. There are some there are people all across the spectrum on estate taxes I may disagree with where you stand on estate taxes, but I can at least understand your rationale on it. There are people that are like, oh, we need to really tax it heavily. I don't agree with that, but I understand it. So, so it's like, okay, I, I think you're, I, I see at least the logic behind it, even though I think you're wrong. Right. But, but when it comes to, you know, there, there's more, there's 107 genders and there are, you can change gender at will and it's a social construct and men can compete with women and this, the, the, the sexual trafficking. And well, now we're going to advocate abortions for children that are already born 
um, you know, and 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 you and you're like, there's just no rationale behind it. And you're right, it contradicts what they said like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And when you see that, when you see a Supreme Court justice who who was Harvard educated, who clerked for a Supreme Court justice, writing on women's rights, say they don't know what a woman is, that there, there's something irrational about it. And what he tells me is, is that when it's irrational, it ha- it must be spiritual. Because right. spirits don't deal with rational with, uh, on the rational level, mm-hmm. and so when I finally got that through my head that that what we're dealing with is is on a more of a spiritual side, then I realized that sometimes us fighting it rationally does not work. So instead, I'm going to have to accept the fact you're going to be irrational and use that a uh, compo- uh, uh, a component of your argument or of that in order to be an ambassador to Christ and help lead people there. And I might have to suffer consequences for it, but that's also part of what we're called to do is to to take up our cross. And part of it is a suffering and growth through suffering. Right. And also understanding the limits to what we can do as believers. You know, I know certainly starting in talk radio uh, 25 years ago, uh, you, you think you can solve all the problems of the world. Right. If I just pound on the table, I can straighten out City Hall. Right. And all talk show hosts are the same way. All cops are the same way. Right. If I could just get out there with my badge and my gun and my this, I'm going to straighten out, you know, society. And the truth is, we're not because society is sick. And at the end of the day, we're not going to be able to do that. So we have to know what our limitations are. Stay involved, as you mentioned. You know, obviously, you want to be civilly involved in all these things that, that, you know, the, you know, elections, even if you don't get, you know, Jesus isn't on the ballot. So you're stuck with somebody who's got a lot of flaws, but we have to stay engaged, but we also can't lose our minds when things don't go our way. And, and, and once going back to your thing about politics, it is so important not to idolize any politicians. And, and that is super important because people act as if, and, and you know, this is the most important election of our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if this guy doesn't get elected or this girl doesn't get elected, we're doomed. Well, that's <laughs> not what the Bible says, Peter, but that's what so many people, and, and I love, like you said, I, I love their heart. Okay. I get it. I understand their frustration. I understand that they really want to th- see things change. But putting all R's in office or all D's in office or whatever, that has never been the solution. You know, when, when Jesus said, render under Caesar what is Caesar's. Right. That was the Caesar Tiberius, who was an awful evil man, like who molested small children. You know, and then when Paul was writing about, you know, you know Caesar and, and they were growing and the church was growing leaps and bounds. That was under the Caesar Nero, who was a serial killer. Right. I mean, you know, so so. You know, putting in the, the right politician doesn't mean that that we can't grow and change our culture because that's exactly what was happening when the worst politicians, you know, that the, the, a list of them in history, they would be up toward the top of them and it was still able to grow and still be able to flourish in spite of all of that. Right. But we have to be able to say, do we really believe? Do we really believe the Bible is true? Do we really believe the, in, in the morality of it? You know, when they took prayer out of public schools in 1962 and in 63, they, 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 they added to it and you weren't, teachers weren't allowed to pray in front of the children. You know, in 64, the Republicans campaigned on it. In 65, it just kind of disappeared. And then Reagan brought it back up in the 80s. But like it just fell really quickly. And I think so many times, you know, everyone's like all riled up. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm done. I've, I've, I'll, I'll move past it now. You know, like, I, I, you know, it, I'm curious to see, you know, what happens when, when, you, when you chase those type of 
of, of windmills. And I think that's what we do a lot of times is we tilt the windmills like Don Quixote. And then we realize it's a windmill and we're like, okay, we'll go somewhere else right. instead of again, being principled in where we stand. And, and, and it's a struggle sometimes to determine what is right and wrong. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I think as long as, again, we, we fight under those principles and we fight according to the way that, that, that God allows us to, to, to be able to do so, um, I, I think we can change our culture and, and kind of bring us back to a, to a country that, that, um, that, that we can be. Right. But well, we're going to change our culture by changing people on the inside not right. shining things up on the outside. That's really important. And one of the other things, I want to go back to something you said, and it's, it's kind of made me think about the the social issues. You know, as a conservative, a social conservative, which I've, uh, I'm not going to say I've paid a heavy price because God's always in charge, but I have been vilified for my socially conservative views. It's interesting to me to see what the Republicans do. A lot of Republicans are going very soft on conservative uh, social issues. And some people say, that's not the purview of the Republican Party. They shouldn't care about who marriage is between and things like that, right? And 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 you have to ask yourself, you know, is that a Christian thing or is that a Republican thing? What do you think about that? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really good question because again, so many times people like tie in with Christians with the Republican Party and vice versa, and that's not always the case. Um, you, you know, talk about um, that in your book, by the way. Once yeah, again. yeah. <laughs> you talk about you know dem- th- there are certain things that Democrats that there are there are closer to the Bible and Repu- we'll talk. Yeah, so you people can read the book to find that. But you do mention that in the book. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, there's you know the trans there's trans activists out there that are Republicans, and you know, um, and do I think that Republicans ought to you know again if they're being elected, you know, they're 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 being elected because that's the will of the people. And if the will of the people is, hey, I want social conservatives in there, then I think that that's part of your job. As long as, again, you're not violating the faith and not violating the Bible and doing so either, you know. And so, you know, again, there's sometimes they have to say no, you know, to what the people want. Um, but but for the most part, you know, the, the politicians reflect our culture. The politicians reflect right. the people. And, and unless, you know, unless an election is stolen or unless there is a you know, um, you know, some other weird way, you know, the, uh, you know, someone dies and someone takes office, you know, that, that's not, you know, that, that wasn't necessarily, you know, they were appointed. Um, but unless there's something like that, for the most part, the politicians reflect our culture. So if we want to change our politicians, we need to change our culture. Exactly right. But we don't have to worry about whether or not this Republican is going to vote for gay marriage or not vote for gay marriage. If we say as a culture, gay marriage is wrong, mm-hmm. then, you know, then, you know, and, and it's okay for you to have civil unions. That's not a problem, but gay marriage is something that's not that politic. We're going to put the right politician in play, but again, part of it has to do with us as, 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 as Christians to influence culture instead of having culture influence us. That's true. And and one of the things that's so frustrating to me is this whole idea, you know, however you want to live your life, that's between you and God, but this idea that everybody's entitled to applause for everything they do. You know, every lifestyle is equally uh, worthy. Well, not not a Christian lifestyle. Every other lifestyle is worthy <laughs> of being applauded, and and that's not. Uh, once again, like you said, if, if we're, if we're not we're not talking about Christians, then of course they don't see it that way. But if I'm a Christian parent, for example, I'm not going to to applaud everything my kid does. If my kid is making terrible right. decisions that I think contradict what the Bible teaches, I'm going to say to my child, like God says to us, "I love you anyway." 
but this is not okay. I'm still going to love you, still come over for dinner, but I'm not going to applaud the fact that you're living with somebody you're not married to or that you're in the drug culture or whatever. I'm not going to go along with everything you do. And suddenly we have a society where you not only have to be tolerant of a different lifestyle or point of view, you have to applaud it. You're forced to applaud it. And, and that's so, I mean, that is, is a fairly recent situation. It is, you know, and that, and, and it's caught on with such force and, yes. and, and speed. And, and I don't, and I don't fully understand like, again, where that came from outside of a spiritual component behind it. But at the same time, you're right. It's like, you, you know, I, I have to, uh, uh, that, that love is approval and love is this, and, and that's not what love is. No. And if you read the Bible and what love is, and it's funny, cause I, I hear people talk about it and, and I kind of progressive Christians more, you know, they're like, oh, it's all about love. And I and I met with a politician here in Murfreesboro, where the city I'm from. It's, a, it's not a large city. It's not a small city, um, but 100,000 people. But we had a sex show that was that was on stage and it was it was men dressed as women, but they were engaged in sex behavior. It wasn't a drag show. It was a sex show. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that children were involved. And I met with a lot of our members of city council and and talked with them. And, and one of them was like, well, you know. They, it's all about love. And, you know, you know, Peter, we're more like the Pharisees and Sadducees because we're Christians. And finally, I just asked him, I said, what's your definition of love? Right. Which, and, and he couldn't answer it. And, I, and then, he, then he tried to answer it with his family and his children. And I said, well, no, what's the biblical definition of love? Mm-hmm. And, and, and he really couldn't answer that either. Right. And then I finally said, well, Jesus loves everybody, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, that meant Jesus loved the Pharisees and Sadducees too. Right. And he talked to them pretty rough. You know, so just because, right. you know, so so love isn't always just being like, oh, this is so great and it's okay. And I'm going to make certain your feelings aren't hurt. I, I coach, I, I help coach a soccer team. You know, the, 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 the girl, and I mostly, I focus mostly on goalies and offense and, you know, they make a really bad kick. They're like, oh, that was a terrible kick. And I'll be like, yeah, that was, let's do it again. Right. I mean, and, and, and I truly love the players that, 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 that I coach for. I mean, they, they try hard. They do so much there. But I love them and I want them to do better in their life. I want them when they leave me because none of them are going to be professional soccer players. But I want them to be amazing women when they when they reach the, the when they get out into the into the world. And so, you know, I want to be able to sit there and say, no, that's wrong. Let's do something better. No, let's try this. And, and I'm and I'm very direct with them and they know that I care for them. And right. when they do great, I say, hey, great job. So, but yeah, someone shows up to me and says, this is this is what's going on. I'm going to be like, no, that's just wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. It's interesting what you say because you're, you know, a lot of the best coaches say that I'm going to build character in these kids. If they're great athletes at the end of the day, that's a bonus because some are very talented and they'll play outside of high school and, and you know, college and that kind of, many will not, most will not, but at the very least you're going to instill some character in these kids. And that's really important. Yeah. And, but, but, I, but I'm doing it because, because I truly love them. And if mm-hmm. I stop loving them, um, I, I'll stop coaching. You know, it's the same right. thing with me in business. If, when I when I stop loving my employees, I'm going to stop stop having them. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to find something else to do because, uh, but 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 I have to tell them they're messing up because if I didn't, I'm not loving them. I'm only loving myself. Right. Because let's, I, talk about, let's, talk, let's talk about that. I want to expand a little yeah. bit on that in business because that's so important. A lot of people like to rail on capitalism. Oh, <laughs> capitalism's evil. Well, capitalism isn't evil or good. It's obviously better than <laughs> anything else, but not if it's not done correctly. Not if it's not if you don't have integrity. Talk a little bit about that because that's super important. Yeah, you know, well, 
So you bring up two issues there, which is whether capitalism is good or, or not good. And, and you're absolutely correct, it, depending on how it's used. Right. Uh, it's the same thing with, you know, let, let's just take um, let's take a car. You know, if I take a car and I intentionally drive it through a parade, you know, or if I take a gun and immediately shoot a bunch of people up, you know, it's 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 me that's evil. It's the person running the car, it's the person using the gun that's evil. Same thing with business. If I'm using my business to commit evil, it's me that's evil. And again, it's the exact same thing. Am I being governed by principles or am I being governed by power? Do I mess up as a business owner? All the time. All the time. Do I do everything perfectly aligned with Christian values? Probably not because I'm not perfect. You know, and 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 that's why I need Christ. But but as long as I'm trying to govern by by, by principles and trying to do the right thing with the business that I have, then then and, and I'm and I'm trying to be a steward of the the of the business that God has given me because He's ultimately my managing director. But if I did not have uh, God as my managing director, if I did not have that, then what do I have? I have you know the I'm only going to do this to serve the bottom line or I'm only going to do this to serve myself and keep me in power as long as possible, in which case then that's when it becomes a problem. That's when you run the risk of integrity issues. Right. You know, it's like, well, I can cheat here a little bit just in order to not fall. I, you know, I doubt when Bernie Madoff started, you know, that, that he knew that that was what his intent was when he started, you know, in, in his career path. But what happens along the way is you start just kind of like, oh, I'm going to cheat a little here. I'm going to cheat a little here. And when that integrity happens, then it just kind of grows and gets out of control or you normalize it in, in a way. And, and there are so many others that, that have failed that way. But, but, but again, there are so many amazing people out there who do incredible stuff with businesses. And, you know, there's more small businesses than any others out there. They employ more people than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So there's not a, in and of itself is not bad or good. But again, the people that run it are bad and good. It's like, just like we were talking about with politicians. Yeah. We know there are some politicians that got into politics because all they cared about was power. But there's some that went in there for the right reason and then they became bad. And there's some that went in there for the right reason and they left with their integrity still intact. That's true. It's absolutely true. You know, you remind me as you're talking right across the street from the church where I attend, there's a cute little house in Vegas that used to be the office of a, a pretty prominent attorney in town. And, uh, he wound up pretty young, getting into some kind of um, issues, wound up in jail, wound up dying in jail in his 40s. Mm. And he was a very, very sharp, very prominent attorney. Because I remember we had at the time the station I worked for, we'd interviewed him because there were some really prominent cases he was involved in and this and that. What a fall this guy had because he just didn't have the integrity. And I mean, the stories are you know, all over the place of people who've done that. And uh, and it's so it's so rampant. So, if, you know, capitalism, obviously better than socialism any day of the week, even on right. a bad day. Uh, but the idea is you've got to have integrity also. And if you have that and then once it go, go, goes back to God, you you know, wh whether it's, you know, at the polling place, making the best decision you can, looking at the options and going, eh, you know, he sucks more than that one. You know, that that's pretty, <laughs> yeah, no, pretty right. much how it's been. You know, it's funny, too, Peter, because I remember even as a little kid. I would say to my parents, well, who are you going to vote for? And they'd say, there's no choice. You know, even as, you know, it's always been that way, right? So I go, well, you know, uh, so what, no matter what it is, every aspect of life, every decision we make, everything is filtered through the word of God and trying to do what we want God to do. And at the end of the day, we are supposed to live our lives according to what God, there's a great quote in a Chuck Colson book, and I'm going to paraphrase it. 
don't have it in front of me, but I've used it many times in, in speeches I've given. And he talks about how you feel as if sometimes you're not making a difference in the culture. And I certainly, as a talk show host, I can relate to that, where you're like, don't legalize marijuana because it's bad. And I had all the experts on all these things, right? And then at the end of the day, it gets legalized because as you mentioned, the culture is a reflection of, of our you know, our spirituality, right? And clearly it's dropping. So people voted for that. And it basically, he's saying at the end of the day, you feel like you're not making a difference, but we're not called to win every battle. We're called to be faithful. Right. That's what we're called to do. And that is so important because otherwise we drive ourselves crazy. If you're a cop and you arrest somebody on Friday night and that person's out again on Monday, giving you a smirk because they got out on bail again, you can make yourself crazy because you didn't solve the problem. We're not there to solve the problem. We're there to do what we can with what we've got while we're here, right? Well, and I think a lot of that is do, deals with the lack of trust that we have in God as well, because mm-hmm. we think we can solve the problem. Yes, yes. And and instead of saying, look, I'm going to do what God has asked me to do, and I'm going to turn it over to him. You know, it's interesting as, you know, as a Christian, we know that we can say a prayer and turn our lives over to God, and he will transform us and change us. And you know, but but so we can trust him with our own lives, but we we struggle have uh, trusting him with other people's lives. Oh no, that I don't. That's important. I, that, I don't want to gloss over that. That is a really important point. You're right. We trust him with ours, but not necessarily with anything else. Like like, like he can't fix the city hall. He can't fix this. He can't fix that. Great point. You know, and then and then go back also. Just I want to uh, go back to something else you were saying, talking about socialism. When you compare it to capitalism, you know, capitalism we at least have. You know, there could be good people and bad people in socialism. Again, socialism oh, only rules by power. That's right. And so when you, again, you only rule by power. That's why the people in socialism, the people in charge are the ones that don't seem to have the problem. They're not the ones standing in the bread lines. Right. You know, they're not the ones standing in that type of stuff. And, and so, because again, they're governing by power as well. So that's the thing to realize is that if, as soon as you say capitalism is evil, it by default indicates that socialism and communism and every other economic system that you could think of is also evil because it's also run by people as well. Right. You know, but, but those are people that you're not putting in power to, 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 along the way. So there's a big difference between them. And it's like one, we have, we at least have an option for, for, for something better versus the others where you don't have that option for anything better. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we have to know that we have to live our lives according to what we believe God wants us to do, we try to glorify him as best we can right. and leave the rest of it to him. Otherwise, we'll make ourselves crazy. And that does include, in many cases, civil disobedience, which is important. We've got to keep standing up. We just can't let him run over us like a tractor. And that's what I'm seeing happen so many times. And, uh, you know, I've had people say to me, oh, you know, I agree with what you say, but if I say it publicly, that's it, that's it. I have no respect for that. When you think of people like William Wilberforce, who, you know, gave up everything to try to fight slavery. And, you know, there are a lot of people throughout history we could talk about and what they were willing to do, be unpopular, be bold, stand up for what they believed. And that's really what we need. That That's what turns culture around. Obviously, you've got to do it from the inside. We talked about that. But you've also got to have people from the outside who are pushing to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, even and and what I'm amazed with are the people that, um, you know, that that will will say it quietly. You know, like you know, I was uh, the the church that that I was that, that I was preaching at. With a, we we had lunch afterward, and the preacher and I were just talking very openly about a lot of social issues and and loud. Like he he's a very bold pastor, um, and um, uh, and, uh, and he was talking loud, but there were a couple of times where he was saying something and I was like, Oh, is anybody listening? And I mean, I immediately had that thought 
of, mm-hmm. oh no. And I'm a, and I'm a pretty outspoken, bold person as well. And, and, and I'm like, why am I, why would I think that? So for me, that's a little bit more bold than others, you know, I'm like, okay, so what happens? And then you, you also have to recognize that people are like, well, I'm not bold. That's just not true. And I can tell you that because when the person, when the light turns green and the person in front of you doesn't go, almost everybody gets bold. <laughs> That's right. Don't, don't yeah. whip out on that one. You're so yeah. right about that. <laughs> you know, so, so I've, I've kind of determined and I, and I call it the six C's and I, and I'll see if I can rem- remember them all off the top of my head that that's more of an issue, but there's like a lack of, of comfort. It's not a boldness. Mm-hmm. It's a lack of comfort. I don't right. want to lose relationships. There's a, there's lack of commitment. There's a lack of care. There's a lack of concern. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't remember the fifth one and the, and the sixth one is the cynical saying it's not going to work anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I think that's really the driving force on why we're not bold because we'll be bold in certain areas, you know, right. in the South. And if you're in the SEC, you're very bold about college football. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> I mean, you have no problem whatsoever walking in to, to, uh, the uh, 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 and, and Auburn, my daughter goes to Auburn, and when they play Alabama, the Auburn Alabama jerseys will show up at Auburn Stadium, and they have right. no problem whatsoever making everybody around them mad. You know, yeah. they, they, they because they care more about Alabama and Auburn football than they can do caring about whether or not we're going to stand up for the right thing. And I, so it's not a boldness issue, but and then once we realize what those other issues are, then that's when we can start working on it, and that's when we truly can repent. Because I think the only way we can also solve this is we all have to repent in our part in playing in culture and not speaking out. I think that's important. We really do. And, and you know, God calls us to be bold. And that's why, hence the name, Don't Shrink Back, which comes from Hebrews 10.39. We, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. Peter, it's always a privilege to talk to you. Thank you for joining me today. Once again, people, I will put the link up there where people can get the book on the duty of Christian civil disobedience. Super important. And thank you for being a bright light in the world, a great business owner and uh, an author and speaker. And it's just been a privilege to talk to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And again, thanks for having me on your show. I'm glad you're doing this. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun to do and to highlight the really cool people who are trying to make a difference because uh, there are there are people out there. We just don't hear enough about it. Mainstream media oddly doesn't want to talk about these people. Yeah, I don't so. know why. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Peter. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Don't forget, you can find all of these podcasts at DontShrinkBack.com or, of course, anywhere you get podcasts at Don't Shrink Back. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Don't Shrink Back. If you'd like to suggest a guest, you can also do that at DontShrinkBack.com. Until we meet again, remember, God's in charge. Give it to him and don't shrink back. Don't Shrink Back.